0: SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Fantasy sports today, and we've got quarterback controversies all over the place in Los Angeles. The team doctor, according to ESPN, is the one that actually injured Tyrod Taylor, and a punctured lung forced him out of the game last Sunday out of nowhere. And in San Francisco, Mike Shanahan, or uh, Kyle Shanahan, excuse me, his son, at his press conference just minutes ago announced that Nick Mullins is likely the starting quarterback for the 49ers this week. So, Joe, we're going to have... Already, at the very minimum, three different quarterbacks on the field than we thought after week one of the NFL season.
2: Yep, and it's only week three, so stay tuned. And this is why, when we're talking about the waiver wire claims, you say, why do I need a second quarterback on my roster? Well, guess what? You do. This is the COVID era on top of all the injuries of it just being regular old football on top of you know Bud Dupree basically murdering quarterbacks every week you need to have a second quarterback, especially if you don't have somebody that you're really in love with in the first place and at least play the matchups. I mean, look, there's been some value so far in the waiver wire with quarterback. That doesn't always happen every year. And Cam Newton's been brilliant. Ryan Tannehill has been very good to start the year. Gardner Minshew and Joe Burrow are right on that fringe of QB1. These are all guys that should be rostered right now. Whether you're playing them or not, that's a conversation we can have. We'll sit down, we'll get a cup of coffee, you and me, and we'll talk about it. But Raul. Right got to get them on your roster because uh, it could happen at any moment and the last thing you want to do is be looking around and be without a quarterback in your fantasy league
1: let's take a look at the headlines for today unfortunately we start off with a sad note to open up our second hour here uh gail sayers great running back great all-time running back with the chicago bears uh, passed away today. Uh, rest in peace to Gail Sayers and certainly our uh, prayers with his family. Uh, had a chance to beat Gail Sayers many, uh, many, many years ago. And uh, year after year, he participated in a golf tournament, Ted Hendricks' golf tournament here in South Florida. Uh, really, really nice man. Sorry to see that today. Eastern Conference Finals resumes tonight. We got the Boston Celtics and Miami Heat. Big game for sure for Boston. Almost kind of a must win, I would think. You don't want to go down 3-1 in a series. How about Shane Bieber? They could have the MVP and the Cy Young Award winner in Cleveland as Bieber makes his final 2020 regular season start. They're headed to the postseason. He, of course, will start game one for them. Major League Baseball talking about having fans at the National League Championship Series. In Texas and also maybe even the World Series as well remember the ALCS is going to be held in California and they are not going to allow that there so NLCS and World Series maybe we'll have fans there and Adam Silver uh, the commissioner of the NBA says that the season is most likely in 2021 going to start in January and so Joe that's what we are start off today the other thing that I did want to discuss here while we do have the time is this whole Tyrod Taylor uh, Justin Herbert situation uh, now Uh, We're going to have Dr. Chow coming up in about 10 minutes from now to discuss more about this. But at least according to what ESPN is reporting, Joe, they're reporting that Tyrod Taylor had an injection that was administered by the team doctor. And this team doctor, unfortunately, made an error, made a mistake, and that cost Tyrod Taylor action in week two. It apparently is going to cost him action in week three. Uh, I think that this is a horrible situation to have to happen, and it reminds me of a situation that happened here in South Florida about 25 years ago, Joe, when uh, O.J. McDuffie of the Miami Dolphins, very good friend of mine, has been on the show many times, had uh, was having a great, fantastic career, uh, you know Dan Marino's favorite target, and had a toe issue. The team doctors uh, performed surgery on the toe. He never came back and played ever again after that. Ended up suing and certainly making a lot of money off of that. I can't certainly say that Tyrod Taylor is never going to play again. I do think he will. I do think he'll be a quarterback in the NFL again. But the Chargers are in a really, really tough spot. And if Herbert goes out and he plays well this week, and they don't give Tyrod Taylor his job back after one of their own hurt him, I don't want to be the guy that's sitting in that room, if it's Anthony Lynn or anyone else, Joe, telling Tyrod Taylor he's no longer the quarterback. It is going to be a tough situation if that happens.
2: And to compound the issue, it's a really good matchup for Herbert against one of the weaker defenses in the National Football League and one of the younger ones, too, in the Carolina Panthers. So there's every opportunity for him to go out there and put up another 300-yard game and look great And if he is indeed the quarterback of the future, then why doesn't the future start now? If he's the best guy to give you the chance to win football games, because the Chargers are not a team that's really looking to be bad this year. They have their franchise quarterback. They're looking to get better. They just opened a new building. There's a lot of excitement around that. They have a very good defense, and if Herbert can play like he did last week against the Chiefs on any sort of consistent basis, well, my goodness, he deserves to be playing. But you're right, at the cost of what? Tyrod Taylor seems to have the worst luck in the world. First, he's in Cleveland a couple years ago. He's in a situation there where, obviously, Baker Mayfield was the next guy and he was the placeholder. Everybody knew that. Injury happened. Next thing you know, Baker Mayfield the rest of the year. A couple years ago, he took the Bills to the playoffs only to get replaced. So Taylor seems to be jinxed. It's terrible because he seems like one of the best guys possible. And I would imagine he will get an opportunity somewhere else. just whether or not he gets another opportunity for the Chargers right now that I think is in legitimate question right now. The good news is, on the Tyrod Taylor front, there's a little bit more game film for people to study about Herbert. But I don't know, man. I don't know if that's going to make a difference against the Carolina Panthers.
1: Yeah, I I, I think it's the wrong move to make Herbert the starter, given what happened to Taylor. I I think that he has to get the job back when uh, when he's healthy. Uh, Either that or just be prepared to – pay a ridiculous amount of money for making that error. And if and look, the NFL makes a lot of money, and they may not care, and, and certainly that could end up happening. But I certainly don't think it's, it's fair by any means. No one wants to lose their job because of injury. If, uh, if I lost my voice and I couldn't do the show for a week and they brought somebody else in and then they liked him better than me um, and he was better than me or she was better than me, It may be the right decision for them to make to just go with that person. It wouldn't sit well with me. I'd be very upset. I don't see how this is any different. It's not his fault. He's got to be given the job again. We'll be right back on Fantasy Sports today.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: We're getting closer and closer to to some fantasy football trades being made in your respective fantasy leagues, usually after week two or week three. Start to kick the tires and ask about players on other teams. You can also look at your team and determine whether or not you need to make a move, get more aggressive, or just stand pat. Joe, that's always the interesting dynamic. We've talked about this previously, that you literally just drafted your team two weeks ago. And in order to make a move, something really either had to go drastically wrong in terms of an injury, or maybe you see a player on another team that that owner is unaware of. Maybe you're watching all the games on Sunday. He's not watching the games. You see something happen. And then you identify something that could really help your team or just do something pre- uh, preventative to help you in the future. And I think that's kind of the only reason to make a trade right now.
2: Well, it is. Uh, there's also a lot of teams that are 0-2. And uh, there's a good chance that if you're a Saquon Barkley owner, or a CMC owner in fantasy, you might be an O-team, which is kind of staggering to think about. You have the first overall pick or the second overall pick. You got one of those guys, you're thinking, oh, this is great. Slam dunk. I'm going to be the champ. Next thing you know, you're O-2. and Next thing you know, you lost both of them. It's terrible. It's awful. It's good. And what you have to understand now is that was theoretically the strength of your roster. Now it's not which means that you don't just start trying to mitigate everything and trying to fill spots with guys who aren't very good. You try to build roster core strength. That's what you're trying to do. So you might have to make a pivot and say, you know what? I'm going to go all in and get the best wide receivers I can and make a trade that way. Or I'm going to go all in and I'm going to try to pull off this tight end in a trade and try to make something else work. And I'll try to get by with PPR guys and stream the Rex Burkheads of the world or Jarek McKinnons of the world and try to fill that spot till I get CMC back healthy maybe in a month. And that's probably more realistic of a thought process. However, there are some guys out there that could potentially be had in a trade already because the stock is down already and people might be looking to jettison them. And especially since some of the things are going on right now where so many running backs are getting picked up this week because of all the vacancies.
1: All right, so let's take a look at a couple and we'll start off with the Buccaneers. And so simply put... A lot of reaction and overreaction. Um, Well, I mean, immediately when Leonard Fournette was signed, it was, okay, get rid of Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones went out the first week. It was, okay, uh, get rid of Leonard Fournette. Now Leonard Fournette is playing well, Joe, and everyone says, okay, get rid of Ronald Jones. So it's just like this this circus ride that's going up and down with the Buccaneers running backs. And at some point this will normalize. I think also people forget that most teams in the NFL have two guys and use two guys, which certainly could happen. Mm -hmm. So let's focus in on Ronald Jones, Joe, who had 24 carries, 89 yards and a touchdown, four receptions, 20 yards total, eight fantasy points back-to-back weeks. There are are people who are not big fans of Ronald Jones. And remember, Bruce Arians did not have him when he came into Tampa Bay. It's sort of a new uh, regime that's working there with him. Uh, but would you be looking to add him right now? Would you be looking to subtract him? Or would you just stand pat based on what you see?
2: <laughs> well, here's the funny part. Based on what you see, the thing that's so striking is the same fantasy points back-to-back weeks, which is funny because after week one, everyone was talking about, oh, it's Ronald Jones' backfield. Well, he had eight points. After we were talking about, well, click Thunder Fournette, Fournette's backfield. Guess how so many points Ronald Jones still had. Eight. If you can get you somewhere around eight, and again, these are half PPR points. I'm trying to split the difference here to help everybody. But with the half PPR here, you're looking at somewhere who probably somewhere around an eight to 10 or 11 point play. Now that's not great, but at least it's useful. At least it's double digits. At least it's points. And this is a guy probably after last week, a lot of people look at what Leonard Fournette was able to do, especially later in that game and have real turns about runs going forward. And if they, this is a guy that could be trade. next to nothing. You could probably trade him for a fifth wide receiver and get this deal done. And you can have a guy, Ronald Jones, who at least seems to be part of the game plan every week, and is going to get some moments. Maybe he'll fall in the end zone one week. Okay, great. That's fantastic. But I think he at least is in a spot where he has a role in the offense, at least for now, until Leonard Fournette blows up everything for a few weeks in a row, and at least take a shot here, because there's also that circumstance set where... It is a split backfield, and Fournette's going to have games, and Jones is going to have games. And if that's the case, this is the perfect opportunity to try to get Ronald Jones on the cheap.
1: All right, let's move over to the Lions. Very complicated situation going on with them as Adrian Peterson dominated the backfield in Week 1. Kerryon Johnson started Week 2. DeAndre Swift seems to be their closer. Very bizarre uh, confluence of events. If the Lions keep going this way, it does seem pretty simple that they'll give swift a lot more playing time he's uh, the future there regardless of what coach is there or not game one eight fantasy points joe game two he had seven game one should have been 14 or 15 he dropped the ball eight carries mm-hmm. 20 yards and a touchdown eight receptions uh 10 targets 75 yards they've been trailing in games so he is certainly a uh, very ppr valuable there and man i i just hate being so wrong on something like i am on detroit right now and I don't know why I thought that there was a turnaround coming there for them, but it, it pains me to even discuss them at the moment. I'm just so upset with the way that they've played. Regardless of this, I, Swift, you know, as I've said many times before, is my favorite running back coming out of college. He was a star at Georgia. I think he's going to be a star in the NFL. But, Joe, I think I need to see either Peterson released at some point this year or Carry On Johnson traded before I'm going to go ahead and acquire Swift unless it is in a dynasty league. See, this is exactly
2: why I want to acquire him now because then the price goes up through the roof. Then the person who has DeAndre Swift isn't going to want to deal him. And guess what? If Detroit continues to not be good, then there's a better chance of those pieces getting jettisoned. Maybe they do eventually move on from Peterson and cut him. Maybe they do trade Carry On Johnson because somebody says, hey, you know what? We could use a running back. We're a playoff team. We could use some depth at the position. And all of a sudden – in eight weeks from now, there could be clarity, or even four or five weeks from now, there could be clarity here. Now's the time to bond DeAndre Swift because people had expectations and fallen short of those expectations. He had a huge drop at the end of a game, which automatically gives him a big negative stigma attached to him. And yes, last week's game script did not go very well for him either but he is catching the football eight receptions on 10 targets. That's a huge positive. So there's opportunity going forward, not only as a PPR back, but also as the standard, we thought he would be anyway. And I just think this one's a matter of time. Miles Sanders started off slow. Devin very started off slow last year. If you bought on them early, you got really good second halves. That's what I want to do now with Swift. I don't want to wait until there's more clarity in the backfield. I want to do it now where it's messy and it's cheap.
1: Yeah, I I think he's a superstar, but he's just in a really tough spot right now, given the nature of what's going on there and bringing in Peterson. Okay, over in Indianapolis, let's take a look at Naheem Hines, who after week one, especially with the injury to Marlon Mack, thought the very least is going to be splitting with Jonathan Taylor. Who didn't think that? No fantasy points last week? That is astounding to me. I was impressed with Taylor. I thought he played well. I didn't think Taylor would be involved in the passing game as much as he has and this is a young player too in his first year we've seen this before we've seen rookies excel before i cannot believe hines is completely out of the mix in indianapolis And how bad do people feel after they spent all that money
2: after week one on Neem Hines to put up a big, fat goose egg the next week? But look, he's somewhere in the middle. He's not as good as week one, and he's not as bad as week two. So take some solace in that. There's some kind of player in the middle of these two things where I think he's going to be useful as a flex guy in certain matchups. So just be careful how you use him. But he's another guy after a zero spot could be had in the trade.
1: And then finally, let's go over to the Washington football team. Antonio Gibson in week one didn't look like any anything. You know, like four fantasy points looked like he couldn't even run the ball. Honestly, didn't look fantastic last week either, Joe, but that touchdown certainly saved him. Uh, Washington's schedule does not get any easier from this point on. Would you look to acquire Gibson at this point, or, or do you think that he's not worth looking at?
2: I think he might even be dropped
1: in some leagues, and I would pick him up because let's not forget, he's
2: converted into a running back. He's still learning the position here. So I think that is uh, something i'm going to give him a little bit of a pass on for now but i think this is also a guy kind of like swift as the year goes on get better and grow into that role and another guy too you know the texans schedule has been brutal to start the year they got pittsburgh they had baltimore last week and then the week before they opened the season with kansas city this schedule gets easier for them they're going to play minnesota whose defense looks terrible then they play jacksonville twice in the next five weeks so All of a sudden, I think there's going to be an opportunity here for David Johnson is an intriguing buy low opportunity. might not be a great matchup this week. People might be sour on it against Pittsburgh, and rightfully so, because that defense is all world. But at the same time, this might be the perfect time to maybe go in for a David Johnson as well and make an offer there.
1: Yeah, and David Johnson has looked okay the first couple of weeks of the season. So uh, maybe he is over all the injuries that basically derailed him from the last couple of years. We'll see. Speaking of injuries... What to make of Christian McCaffrey's injury? When will we see Raheem Mostert back on the field? And what happened with Tyrod Taylor? Dr. David Chow will join us next. Tell us right here on Fantasy Sports Today.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Boy, it is a very important week for injuries. Maybe in the last five or ten years, I can't remember this many, and we need to lean on our guy, at ProFootballDoc on Twitter, ProFootballDoc.com, Dr. David Chow, who is with us every week, helping us make the best decisions we can in fantasy. Dr. Chow, I cannot even imagine what your Sunday was like this past week. Thanks for joining us.
3: Thanks for having me. Honestly, uh, at the end of the day, you could have – uh, transported me in a time machine to the morning, put me in Las Vegas, and I don't think I could have made any money because I didn't know really what happened in the games. <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh, it
1: was incredible. And so we got a lot to, to go to, so let's try to get in as much as we can while we have you here. Uh, let's start off with uh, the team that you're certainly familiar with, the Chargers. Now, I-, I need a little bit of a better understanding as to what happened here with Tyrod Taylor. It was a pregame game. Uh, issue that happened with him. He wasn't able to play in the game. There are some that feel that Herbert at this stage is the way to go there. And I suppose we can leave that for another day. But, but let's get to Taylor
3: specifically. What happened? Why did he miss the game? Uh, it is my belief using detective work, forensic work, Quincy if you're old enough to remember that sure Uh, I have to credit Bill Simmons he's the first one who coined that term about me with Quincy I like it. Uh, putting it together I believe and uh, they I think it's been confirmed by NFL Network he had a rib issue on Friday he warmed up pregame was slated to start no problems uh, was not given a game status so he was for sure playing went to the locker room, probably felt a little bit warm up, got an intercostal nerve block, rib block, that perhaps went a little bit too deep. A known complication. And then ended up with the chest issues that you saw on the sidelines, perhaps a little bit harder to breathe. And was Justin Herbert became the starter, and Tyrod Taylor went to the hospital. He was discharged the same day, so it was a small collapsed lung, pneumothorax, air leak, whatever you want to call it. Mm. It wasn't severe. He didn't have to be hospitalized overnight. There's no chest tube. It will heal on its own. Of course, you never want that to happen as a doctor. I've given plenty of rib blocks, and you're aware of it. And you're trying to be careful careful of it. But, you know, in week one, Tom Brady threw a pick six, and in week two, he came back to win. Doesn't make him a bad quarterback in week one. So I'm not trying to harp on anyone or be negative, but just trying to explain it. And I'll go ahead and answer your other question. Book it. Justin Herbert is the week three starter at least. Book it. Anthony Lynn said if he's 100%, he's our starter. Just from the air leak in the lung, he may not be 100%, maybe 95, slightly higher risk of getting hit and having a problem. But remember, the rib issue probably didn't go away, and you would imagine he's not going to get a rib block again, right, with the right. bad luck it. That- So he won't be 100%. It's Justin Herbert's game against the Panthers, period, end of discussion. Now, what happens in week four when he maybe is 100%? Well, that's another week, and you're going to have to ask Anthony Lynn. But week three, it's going to be Justin Herbert.
1: Wow. Okay. So there you go. Dr. Chow breaking it down for you. Easy decision to make there. Uh, Okay. So a couple of very key injuries. One, I don't really think we need to spend too much time on because we know the outcome, which is Saquon Barkley, who was placed on injured reserve. He's out for the season. Uh, What about Christian McCaffrey though, Dr. Chow? Uh, Look, some players are healing faster than others. And you called it last week when you came on saying, yeah, there's still a chance Michael Thomas could play. Of course, everyone said that he wouldn't. Then all of a sudden, he was almost going to play again. What about McCaffrey? What Give, give, give us a better timeline than what we have right now.
3: Well, you know, I didn't see anything much on the video, his last carry of the game, where he ran for a touchdown. Maybe he got his right ankle clipped. I did go back and look at all the video. And with about 44 seconds left in the third quarter, Levante David tackles him and maybe has a mild right high ankle sprain. It's been reported high ankle four to six weeks. I don't know that I'm certainly not doubting the high ankle, but I think it's mild. And I'm not ready to sign off on four to six weeks yet. First of all, as of this taping, the team has not put him on injured reserve yet, and that's a three-game absence. So if they really knew four to six weeks, why wouldn't they just make the move? Sure, They haven't yet. Number two... By video, it doesn't support that. Now, he's their franchise guy, so are are they going to push him to play against the Chargers? Maybe not, right? But I don't think this is something where, look, if I owned Christian McCaffrey in fantasy, I would not be dumping him or trading him right now. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. Uh, One other running back real quick uh, on the San Francisco side. Boy, Dr. Chow, San Francisco's hit uh, pretty hard uh, across the board. I know Garoppolo was hurt, but Raheem Mostert is another name that's very popular, of course, in fantasy because of the great start that he got off to in that game, the great uh, postseason playoffs that he had last year as well. Uh, I think that they initially mentioned him as doubtful. Do you give him any chance to play
3: whatsoever this week? I think he has a chance to play, but I think he's somewhere between doubtful and questionable. My money would be that he doesn't with a mild MCL, but I don't think this is a long-term deal for uh, Mostert. I think it's a short absence. Okay,
1: Uh, let's move on to Michael Thomas, who initially when uh, reports came out you know it was just all over the place i think that you gave everybody the best calming influence on most or i'm sorry on thomas here on this show and it was very apparent that as the week went on there was a slight chance that they could have taken that chance and played him but doctor early in the season you're not going to take that kind of chance do you expect to see thomas back in the saints uniform this week
3: well if we're applying football terms i would have put thomas at as possible but doubtful for this monday night game and he did not play i would put him for week three as questionable so there's a fair shot but not a guarantee and i would put him for week four as probable now i know technically probable doesn't exist in the anymore as a as a designation in the nfl but i think we're used to it that's kind of where i would put michael thomas now,
1: the the one intriguing one for me is someone that I have on my team, Dr. Chow, is Kenny Galladay, who basically, we didn't hear a word about any injury for him right up until two days, essentially, before the season began, and then he missed the first week. I fully thought, okay, he'll just be back for the next week. I'll miss him one week. Now I've missed two. Dr. Chow, I don't trust any report on Galladay at this point, so I'm going to have to ask you, do you think that he is back this week for the Lions?
3: I do think he will be back. Of course, it's still early, but I do think he'll be back. And and maybe there's hope because when you're a speed receiver... Uh, and you coming back from a hamstring? That first week back might not be as effective. Galladay is more of this big target receiver, obviously. So, not only do I think he's got a reasonable chance of coming back, if he does, I think you have to play the guy, right? And, yeah, well, uh, and see I what mean,
1: happens. I mean, given the nature of all of the injuries, it's a no-brainer. There's there's no doubt about that. Uh, okay, now let's let's uh, recap this with the Rams situation which as of Monday was a little bit murky, and uh, and Dr. Chow, ESPN, very late at night, very strangely enough, had the report that Cam Akers had a rib issue and Malcolm Brown had a finger issue. And so certainly we all know who the third guy is, or maybe the first in this case is Daryl Henderson, who's going to be a very hot pickup this week in fantasy. Uh, but Akers, Dr. Chow, as you know, is a very, very highly sought-after player in both fantasy and in the NFL draft. Malcolm Brown had the fantastic first week, which led everybody to pick up Malcolm Brown. So the Rams running back situation is a little bit cloudy at this point. How about the injuries to both Akers and Brown?
3: Brown apparently broke his pinky finger and had surgery of some sort, but is slated to play, likely to be able to splint and buddy tape the fourth and the fifth together. The issue is You know, uh, ability to catch a pass, ball security and, you know, uh, blocking blitz pickups, etc. But I think he will play. Cam Akers, rib cartilage separation, rib cartilage injury makes it a little bit harder than actually rib itself. And sometimes it snaps. Very hard to play without a rib block. And, you know, with the first incident in L.A., obviously different teams, but players talk. Players might be more hesitant to get the rib block, so that without it, I don't think Cam Akers plays.
1: Mm, interesting there. You know, let's end with this, Dr. Chab, because certainly you've been at this for more than two decades, uh, covering this, and and as you mentioned, uh, you know, you, you basically you were all day long from morning through night, going through injuries, not even knowing some of the outcomes of the game, just logging all the uh, injuries, going back and watching film. Is there an attribution to the reason why this has happened in the second week of the season? Is it anything outside of just sheer bad luck in the NFL? Or is it a confluence of issues that has brought us to this point? Because I'm certainly scared if that was week two, what is
3: week three? Well, first of all, week one wasn't so bad. So that's good news. Secondly, if you use ACLs as an example, and in week two, there were seven ACL tears right? Saquon Barkley, Cortland Sutton, Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, uh, uh, Bruce Irvin, a couple other corners uh, and defensive backs. And in any case, that is an abnormal spike, no question. But I wrote an article for Outkick this morning. And uh, if you look at the last five seasons, NFL teams during the preseason league-wide averaged 25 ACL tears before the start of the season. This year, after week two, there are 19. Mm. Seven of them happened in week two. So, in some ways, you can say there's less so far, but we all know the preseason in the training camp wasn't normal. It was a pandemic schedule. So, you know, if you take less ski runs, you have less ACL tears on the hill, right? I mean, if you do less football, you have less. But right now, overall, We're actually behind the pace of previous years. However, seven in one week is abnormal. The average is a little less than two every week for the NFL. But week one, there was only one. So we're at a little higher rate, but small sample size.
1: All right. Well, listen, some very interesting stuff. And I would be doing a disservice if I didn't tell you folks, if you're watching the show right now, As soon as our show is over, go to ProFootballDoc.com. Follow Dr. Chow on Twitter at ProFootballDoc. He's helping you each and every week, not just for 12 minutes on this show, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Dr. Chow, thank you once again for making time for us here on Fantasy Sports Today. We'll talk again next week.
3: Thanks, Craig.
1: All right, let's take a quick time out on Fantasy Sports Today, and we'll be back with a lot more getting you ready for week three of the fantasy season in the NFL. Don't go away. Welcome back. It's FST fantasy sports today with you here on sports grid and sportsgrid.com. We're at the midway point of the week. Of course, coming up this weekend, it is game day right here on sports grid. And I know Joe, you guys have a big show planned for Sunday morning. For those of you who are watching our show during the week, make sure you tune in on the weekend. Joe, what's on tap for the big weekend show?
2: Well, we're certainly going to recap some of our big questions that we asked last week on the Fantasy Roundtable. Uh, I think by the end of it, Eric Young wanted to put me through the Fantasy Roundtable, but he was right about a few things. I was right about a few things, including Leonard Fournette not being done. It was quite a rant he gave. We'll see if he's ready to change his tune when we get back in person on Sunday morning. But it's going to be lots of fun with Matt Striker, Eric Young, and myself. We're going to get you ready for your FanDuel games. We're going to go through all the values, the cash game plays, the GPP plays, the stacks, everything in between. We'll also do all your season long stuff too. We'll talk about some guys too that might be on that trade block. We're also gonna get to all your starts and sits. Make sure you're ready with all the best information you have, all the breaking news. It's Sunday morning. You get your coffee, you get your sports grid. Me, Eric Young, Matt Striker. What's better than that? Eight AM right here on Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Get to it. Come on. All what right, are you doing?
1: Sunday morning. Make sure you check it out. It'll be on this weekend here on Sports Grid. Our weekend programming is really exciting. I don't don't know if if most of you are catching it, but we're on 24-7. And make sure on Saturdays and Sundays, whether it's college or pro football, check it out again this weekend. College really kicks in with the Southeastern Conference games being played. And very soon we'll have the Big Ten and everyone else playing in college football as well. All right, let's end the program here with a little fantasy or reality here. And and last night, Mike Malone, after the game between the Nuggets and Los Angeles Lakers, said we have two superstars, referring to Jokic and, of course, Jamal Murray. Murray is the primary reason why Denver has gotten to this point. Of course, last round, he was a little up and down against Utah. But there's no question at this point that he is you know, probably somebody that's going to challenge, at least for leading scorer in the NBA, maybe even as soon as next year. He saw the battles he and Donovan Mitchell had. Uh, fantasy reality, though, Joe, Jamal Murray is considered a superstar to you in the NBA right now. Fantasy reality.
2: It feels like he's right on that precipice of superstar. I guess it depends on on, <laughs> on your definition. You know, there's only a finite number of the guys at the very, very top elite level. I think he's a star in that next tier for sure. Um, if obviously they should be able to pull off the unthinkable, then I think maybe that propels them to that kind of range. But yeah, I mean, I think at this point in time, you would consider them at least in that conversation of superstars in the NBA. You know, I always think of the NBA as as great duos when the NBA is at its best is when teams have two guys on it, like the one and the 1A. And it seems like the Nuggets have that going forward. So that's a very important thing. And I always feel like that was when the NBA was at its best in the eighties into the early nineties. When you have these teams that like I talk about the NBA jam era of basketball where every team, every night, no matter what you were watching, you saw two guys that were basically household name, superstar kind of guys. And I think Murray's become that this year for sure. So what do you think, Craig? I would say reality.
1: Yeah, I think he's there. I think he's a top 10 player for sure in the NBA. And I think that that, Pretty much makes you a superstar. Is he Giannis? Probably not. Is he LeBron James? Probably not. Those are the one and two. But beyond that, I think he's right there in that conversation. And certainly he carried uh, he carried the Nuggets throughout the bubble all up until the Western Conference Finals. And uh, yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, I, I definitely think he is. And I think that he's one of the lesser known superstars as well. Uh, certainly, Damian Lillard's name is known a lot, and Murray could be just as good, if not better. So, uh, interesting uh, comment there, and interesting answer, I think, for our first fantasy reality for today. Let's move over to our second question here. Fantasy or reality, the Philadelphia Phillies dropped two games yesterday in their doubleheader and lose the second one in very ugly fashion, as they have all season long. They score a run. Remember, it's a seventh-inning game. They score a run in the top of the seventh inning, and then in the bottom of the seventh to close out the game, they bring in Brandon Workman. He gives up two runs, and they end up losing both ends. <laughs> of the- <laughs> Dola and Wheeler both started already this week. They are in line to start again Saturday and Sunday, and it very much could come down to those two games. It seems as though the Phillies' reach on the second-place position in the NL East could be almost out. If they lose today, it will be. Very much alive though for the wild card fantasy reality, Joe. The Phillies will make the 2020 postseason.
2: No, I can't wait to hear the Joe Girardi press conference about Brandon Workman after the yesterday's game. right? oh, just I can't believe it. How could Brandon Workman not be automatic? I mean, he's a Hall of Fame closer. Why wouldn't he? Uh, yeah, it's really puzzling. I can't, can't, uh, can't figure it out. I mean, it's not like he's a journeyman reliever. Or just became a closer last year. I mean, you, it's just automatic. I don't know. The the good news is they got those guys going one more time. The bad news is they lost an Aaron Nola start yesterday, which I thought they could ill afford to do. It's starting to say like fantasy that it feels like it, that they can't get there because this bullpen just won't allow them. I know there's a big start tonight. I think Eflin is on the mound tonight, if memory serves. But I don't know, man. It's starting to feel like that bullpen's just their undoing. And uh, I don't think yesterday – you should have split that doubleheader. I'd have a different opinion. But, man, when you lose Aaron Nola starts at this point, I think that puts you really in a bad spot. So – I'm going to say fantasy. Uh, That's where I'm going to stand. How about you, Craig? Do you think the Phillies can somehow figure it out here and just kind of finish strong in these last few days in the Major League season and kind of squeak their way in backdoor into the MLB playoffs?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned backdoor because right now there is no question that that's the way that they would get in. But today is Wednesday, and they play Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. They have five games left. If they go four and one and make it, are they really backdooring at that point? If Nolan Wheeler pitch very well Saturday and Sunday and get in, so right now you're 100 percent right. But this is sports, and things change so quickly. And I think that we're going to know in the next 24 hours. Basically, I think you know 24, 48 hours. Because if I think if they get to the weekend with those guys, they're going to pitch. I don't think you'll see Workman again in the ninth inning. And if we do, then there's no excuse at this point. <laughs> Can't use him again as many times as they've used him and lost. And you look, your point is fair with Joe Girardi. At some point, the Phillies have to go to somebody who's never gotten the job done in the ninth and just take a shot because everybody that has had opportunities in the ninth has not been able to close out games. So while it may not be advisable to put a young rookie or a player with no experience in the ninth because he'd be nervous and blow it, how much worse can he be than the other guys that they've had? I will say reality. They'll make it. I think they'll be the eighth seed. And I think that they just got to get to the weekend and have those guys start again. I'm I'm more worried about Bryce Harper right now, who hasn't hit at all in the last two weeks and has a bad back. Of course, Ramudo has been out. Hoskins has been out. Uh, it, it does feel like your answer is the right one. That narrative is pushing that way to just being the epic failure of the 2020 season. But I don't want to believe it. I want to believe the Phillies are going to sneak their way in. So I'll say fantasy. Well, all right. Before happy we birthday. go to the next one, Craig. I'm sorry I
2: just I just want to you know wrap up the Phillies I had a question for you because I respect you as a baseball man so I want to know if the Phillies don't make it I know we talked about this yesterday like oh okay the general manager gets a pass and all that stuff but what do you do if you're the Phillies next year to address the bullpen because that I feel like is one of those things where you're always searching and you can get a guy just like they got workman who was good last year and we've seen this time and time again right where a guy has a good season. Some nowhere, you plug him on another team or you plug him in the other role, all of a sudden, he's no good. It's one of the most difficult things to figure out. And I just don't think they have an in house candidate either. I mean, you know, I know Robertson got hurt, all these issues they had. Where do you go to fix this
1: next year if you're the Phillies? Can you fix it? There's two parts to the equation in the conversations that I've had. Part number one is that, realistically speaking, if you close your eyes and dream, right now the baseball season is June. And if the baseball season is June, there's a very good chance that they would have been able to fix this over 162. Not to the degree of them winning a World Series, but there's just no acquisition that you can possibly make out there, Joe. No minor league baseball. You cannot go down to the minors to pick up a guy pitching right now. Can't do it. That's number one. Number two, you follow baseball as closely as I do, closers, teams. One year, they're great. One year they're right. terrible, and then one year they're great again. Bullpens are very cyclical to me. Sometimes they look fantastic, and the next year they're horrible, and vice versa. There's certainly a chance that all of the guys at the Phillies get it right the next year, and there's also a chance that they don't. It, it's just the problem is is that they didn't top off the bottle, the wine bottle at the end of the champagne bottle. Like they they left it short going into the season, and their attempt was fair. I mean, they signed Robertson Joe. He got hurt. He's going to miss a whole right. year. Like that was a reliable guy. Uh, so I don't think major massive moves need to be had to the bullpen. They just have to get those guys right. And of course they're going to have to add a couple of guys, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to help them out. But I could see their bullpen coming in next year and us having a completely different conversation about it because it, it, it's just so volatile and, and things change so significantly from one year to the next. Okay. Let's close this out here with Bruce Springsteen. It's his birthday today. He is 70. 70- wow. Bruce Springsteen is 71 years old. Wow. Still performing at a high level, too, when there is concerts around. Uh, Bruce Springsteen's birthday is 71. He is the biggest United States rock star ever, Joe. Is that fantasy or reality? Uh, it's got to be him or
2: Elvis, right? Uh, I'm going to say reality because I like Bruce, and I'm in New Jersey. And if I don't say yes and it's reality, I'm officially going to get uh, dropped somewhere in a swamp, somewhere in northern New Jersey, potentially. Real up quick, but uh, I love Bruce. I love old Bruce too. I'm talking like, you know, beat Nick seventies, Bruce, that, that that's the Bruce spring scene that I know and love, not the eighties. you know, Bruce, when you get into the dance in the dark, no, not so much. And I gotta say, I've seen Bruce twice in concert. The first time was in, uh, I think it was still Shea stadium at the time. It wasn't even before city field I'm positive. It was Shea. Now that I'm thinking about it and it was the rising tour. And I was so disappointed. I didn't get one of my favorite Bruce songs. I just wanted one. I got like 10. I didn't get one and it was the rising tour. And I had to listen to the same song, basically sung three different ways, because that's what the rising album was. He wrote three songs and they just re-recorded them four different times with different words. And I didn't like it. And then Bob Dylan showed up and I went, Oh cool, Bob Dylan. And I couldn't hear a word he was saying. I couldn't understand him at all. I was like, this is the biggest waste ever. This sucks. And then a couple years ago, saw him play in Jersey and it was on the the river tour and it was the actual, uh, anniversary, get this born released. So that night, instead of playing The River, he played Born to Run, Start Up to Finish. I got all my classics. I got everything. I even got Atlantic City. Uh, I got some of the best Bruce songs out there. I got Jungle Land. It was fantastic. And Tom Morello showed up and played Ghost of Tom Jode with him. Tom Morello, obviously, of Rage Against the Machine and Audio Slave, So that was awesome. So I, I finally got the Bruce concert that I had been waiting for. So because he made it up to me that second time, yeah, Bruce is the greatest. Way to go Bruce. How about you, Craig? Is he the the greatest American rock star?
1: I I think it's it's hard because of the category, but like Billy Joel, I guess qualifies as what what would you put what category do you put him in? Uh, pop pop star.
2: Yeah, he's not a rock guy. No guitars, no rock. I mean, you got to have the guitar. He's the okay. piano man. Yeah. I mean, Dave Grohl is getting close to that role. I mean, Dave Grohl was in Nirvana and the Foo Fighters. Dave Grohl's pretty high up in my world in terms of American rock stars. Uh, Prince comes to mind as well another one of my favorites but I don't know I mean Bruce Springsteen's 70 man and he can still do it he played for four hours when I saw him a couple years ago it was amazing
1: yeah yeah I've seen him many times and I've had the same experience that you have and it's all the same thing for me if he doesn't play with the E Street band the concert's usually not that much fun and if he does it usually is that's that's when I see him solo without them I usually don't go and when he's with them I know it's going to be uh, a lot of the hits and a lot of his—I'll say—I'll say reality. He is the biggest U.S. rock star ever. But if we're going to throw pop in there, and and some other artists, probably you know like Michael Jackson, Madonna, and, and those people. But in terms of rock, yes, yeah, absolutely. And ironically, rock. I think yeah. Yeah, and, and I think by the way, along with Bruce Springsteen, another from New Jersey, I would put two, which would be John Bon Jovi. I probably would put him second. I mean, Bon Jovi's.
2: You could put him. You could put him in that conversation. My dad actually got to see uh, Bruce Springsteen before Born to Run happened at the Stone Pony with like thirty people, and he always talked about it. He was like, "Oh, it was such a great show, and the guy was so great, and hardly anybody knew who he was. They just went there one night and they saw him before he became Bruce Springsteen." And you know, that's the way to see Bruce, I imagine too. Could you imagine a small club getting to see that guy play? That'd be amazing. But I guess yeah, Elvis sure. is the most iconic. But we talk about a category, a catalog of music. I mean Bruce Springsteen album after album,
1: unbelievable. He is. He's not. My, I mean Tom Petty's my favorite, but I would definitely say that Love Bruce Tom Springsteen Penny. is is up there um, as as the number one has to be. Okay, we'll take a quick timeout. We'll come back with the sports grid sixty, and then we'll send you off for your rest of your day. Hopefully, you have a great Wednesday. Of course, we'll be right back here on Thursday with some more fun fantasy football content previewing the Jaguars and Dolphins tomorrow. Let's take a quick timeout. Don't go away. More. Stay on the grid. We'll be right back.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia, back with you. I left the comforts of the outside and have moved into my uh, new home office, Joe. Here on the uh, on the inside, there's a chance that this is the way it may look uh, in the future. So we're testing it out here at the end of the show, Joe. Do you do you like my new room here? Does it look okay? I do.
2: I do like it. I look. It's it's very Craig Mish. You have got a lot of souvenirs going up there, and we all know Craig at any given moment will pull out a souvenir from his pocket or from a desk drawer. So it seems like that's the environment you're in now which seems very appropriate for all the memorabilia that we have done on this show over the last though i don't know six months or
1: so now yeah the magic of live tv we can just change things very quickly and i was afraid it was going to rain outside so i moved inside and here we are to end the show all right let's uh turn it over to joe pizapia he's going to close us out here with the sports grid 60 joe
2: Well, Craig said something that he's absolutely right about earlier in the program. Tyrod Taylor just can't seem to catch a break and Tyrod Taylor deserves to be the starting quarterback. He didn't give up this spot because why? Because because he played bad. No, in fact, it's the own team's undoing of Tyrod Taylor. That's put him behind the eight ball here. However, deserve is a tricky word. Deserve means nothing in business. And certainly there's no bigger business in this country than the NFL. So you could take deserve and you could throw it out the window because I can tell you right now, Justin Herbert throws another 300 spot up this week against the Carolina Panthers, wins another football game, and they are two and one. Looking at this division, you can think that you are possibly a playoff team. That's right. So sorry, deserve goes out the window here.
1: Joe's very tough on uh, Tyron Taylor. Ouch. Okay. Uh, I'll end the show here with a little Major League Baseball as we close it out. And the 2020 season is about to come to an end. And I think that while most are excited for the postseason, there is that definite sense of relief that this is coming to an end as well. And I would say this. While we can't take the season all that seriously in terms of the overall numbers, let's give kudos to the teams that win. Let's give kudos to the MVP. This was not an easy season to endure. And I'm not going to sit here and belittle the guys who ended up doing well especially those who end up winning awards at the end of the year. That'll do it for our show today. Thanks again to Brett and Danny. Of course, my co-host Joe P. I'm Craig Bennett. We'll talk to you tomorrow at noon. Got to check out my room. I'll see you later.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.